Cortland Computer Services presents the Baseball Lifer Podcast. Well, hi there. Don Wardlow here, your neighborhood baseball lifer. And we're going to have Bryce Weiler as our guest later on. He's a disability consultant with the Baltimore Orioles. We'll get into what he does in that role, what he's been doing in that role since he got out of college, once we bring him onto the program. Until then, a few words about what's going on between last week and this. As I record this on the 22nd of September, the Giants are pretty much out of the picture. When they're gone, we're going to lose John Miller, their broadcaster. He doesn't do any national broadcasts anymore. And that's a shame. And it's a difficult road for Cleveland also. They either are already out or are very close to it. And that means Tom Hamilton won't be in the picture as a broadcaster, along with pitchers like Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber that the Cleveland Guardians had, who have only just gotten healthy. But like John Miller, broadcaster Tom Hamilton doesn't do any national broadcasts, and that's an unfortunate thing. One team I thought was eliminated was the Cincinnati Reds, and it looks like they're not, at least not yet. They are a half a game behind the Cubs for the last playoff spot. The Cubs and Marlins are in a tie. If it came to that, the Marlins would have the tiebreaker. Now, the Marlins have to go face Milwaukee for a weekend series coming up while the Cubs will face the Rockies and the Reds will face Pittsburgh. I'll talk more about the baseball games coming up tonight after we have our guest Bryce Weiler on the Baseball Lifer podcast. Bryce will be yours after a word from our sponsor, Cortland Computer Services. I am having such a problem at work. This is the second time this month I have had two computers down and I can't get my computer company to come to the office and fix them. I think they are too busy with other bigger companies. You know, I was having the same problem until we met Cortland Computer Services in Middlesex, New Jersey. They respond to most of my calls the same day, either by accessing my computers remotely or by sending a technician to my office. Wow, that would be great. It is such a disruption when the computers are not working properly. I need somebody that can come out, see what's wrong, and fix it. On our first meeting, they surveyed our network for security, identified some problem areas, and set us up with security software designed to prevent malware, ransomware, and all of the other threats that are on the internet these days. They have been helping central New Jersey businesses for 30 years, and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You should contact them either on the web at courtlandcomputerservices.com or by phone at 732-356-8860. 732-356-8860, courtlandcomputerservices.com. 
Tell them you heard about it on the Baseball Lifer podcast and get a $100 coupon toward your first two hours of computer services. Back with you on the Baseball Lifer podcast, Don Wardlow here, and Bryce Weiler is my guest. Bryce is the disability coordinator of the Baltimore Orioles, and like me, he's blind. Um, Bryce, welcome. Hi, Don. Thank you so much for having me on. Part of my background is the years before I turned professional, the years before and leading up to my college games. What was your life before you went to University of Evansville? What was your background and and what was your liking of sports before the college level? Before I attended the University of Evansville, I attended public school in Olney, Illinois, up to the freshman year. After finishing my freshman year, I attended the Indiana School for the Blind. And then after the Indiana School for the Blind, I went to college at Evansville and then graduate school at Western Illinois in Macomb. I grew up listening to NASCAR races on the radio while riding around our driveway on a big wheels. I also listened to Mike Shannon broadcasting the St. Louis Cardinals, as well as Brian Barnhart commentating Illinois football and basketball, and Don Fisher commentating Indiana Hoosiers football and basketball. And when it came time to choose a college, how did the University of Evansville stack up, and how did it get the prize over the ones the others you might have looked at? At the University of Evansville, the former Evansville Aces head men's basketball coach, Marty Simmons, who is now coaching at Eastern Illinois in Charleston, Illinois, gave me the opportunity to sit on his Evansville Aces basketball bench and to be a part of his college basketball team. Being a part of a college basketball team was something that I always wanted to be able to experience, and I was very grateful for Coach Simmons for giving me that opportunity Furthermore, whenever I was at Evansville, Tom Benson, who was the general manager of the student radio station on campus, taught me how to analyze and broadcast games on the radio as a blind analyst and broadcaster, which is something I enjoyed doing. I, I broadcasted 90 games on the radio at Evansville in a plethora of sports such as men's and women's college basketball, men's and women's soccer, along with college baseball and college softball. When I broadcast at Glassboro in the 1980s, they only did a handful of games in each sport. You can't say that I did 90 games in my whole career. The Glassboro situation is different now. They do a full slate, but Evansville was able to broadcast all those games. It was a good student radio station that was willing to give students opportunities to learn how to broadcast games or to be a DJ or whatever a student wished to do in radio broadcasting, he or she had that opportunity. And you mentioned listening to another broadcaster, the present Ford C. Frick Award winner, Pat Hughes. Listening to Pat Hughes with his great descriptions of Chicago Cubs games created visual pictures in my head of baseball, along with Mike Shannon of the St. Louis Cardinals, who unfortunately passed away this year. But those two broadcasters really got me interested in baseball. I can see John Rooney getting a Ford Frick Award one of these years. I do hope John is able to get 
that award. He is another good broadcaster and someone who deserves that chance to go to Cooperstown, give a speech, and be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. On the baseball lifer with Bryce Weiler. Bryce is the disability coordinator for the Baltimore Orioles. Now, you've been doing that for quite some time. Tell me how you got to be the disability coordinator and what you might have done before that. I became the Baltimore Orioles disability consultant in June of 2016 after emailing John Angelos, who 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 owns Baltimore, and I explained to John how sitting on the Evansville men's basketball bench had changed my life and allowed me to experience college basketball and how I wanted to help people of all disabilities to have similar experiences and to have life-changing moments and opportunities. I graduated from graduate school at Western Illinois in May of 2016 and started my work with the Orioles in June of 2016. One of the most memorable projects the Orioles did occurred in 2018. Now, it doesn't hurt that the National Federation of the Blind is also located in Baltimore, but the Federation and the Orioles got together in 2018 and put Braille on the uniform shirts. Tell me about that. In 2018, when the Orioles became the first team in sports to wear Braille on their jerseys against the Toronto Blue Jays at a home game in Camden Yards, that event was very important because the Orioles took the step to go beyond what happens in a baseball game or a sporting event and to use their platform to show that people who have disabilities, whether it's those who are blind or people who have other disabilities, that there are tools out there who that can help people who are blind or who have other disabilities to be successful. So often whenever someone becomes visually impaired or blind partway through his or her life, they struggle to want to learn how to read Braille or to learn the necessary skills to be successful because they think that a person might think of them differently because now they're using a cane or they have a guide dog helping them or whatever the case might be. But this event showed that it's okay to have a disability and there's tools out there to help people who are blind and those who have other disabilities to be successful. In 2016, really up until the pandemic, I for one hadn't heard the word Zoom, didn't know what it meant. So in those years before the pandemic, How did you operate working for the Orioles living in Illinois as you do? I would speak to the Orioles staff on the phone. I would email Orioles staff. Nothing really different than than what I do now. Now I go on Zoom meetings with them and have a few less phone calls. But the Orioles staff would bring me into Camden Yards to assist with programs or events to help patrons of all disabilities. I would go to Sarasota from time to time to assist with events for patrons who have disabilities or walk through Ed Smith Stadium to check up on how things are going in the stadium and nothing really any different. Are the Orioles the only team in baseball that has a disability coordinator? Most, there's a number of teams who have disability coordinators or as a disability consultant who might be assisting the staff of the team. That says a lot because we've had guests. Ricky Hill was our most recent guest. And when he became a player with his disability, there was no thinking of being inclusive. and Nobody had a 
disability coordinator in the 1970s. And when I became a broadcaster in the 90s, nobody had a disability consultant working with them. And this is something that I think can only go forward and be for the good. It's a great change because with around 42 million people in this country having some sort of a disability, which is around 13% of the total United States population, and that's not including Canada, where there's sports teams in in, uh, Canada who are a part of baseball and, and basketball as well. It's good to have a voice to work with staff to make sure that every disability is represented the best that it can be and that every patron is assisted no matter what their disability might be, working to make every everyone feel welcome at baseball games or at any sporting event in this country. Now, when I did baseball from 1991 until 2002, I had to braille all my stats and all the information that I had. And when I listened to your broadcast, one thing really jumped out at me when the smooth operator came up to home plate, Carlos Santana. I remember Chris Berman calling him that. You jumped right on a, a fact about him. How did you access the fact that Carlos Santana gives back quite a bit in Ohio where he used to play? He used to play for the Cleveland Guardians, and I researched all of the players on the Orioles and the Pittsburgh Pirates. I memorized all the stats in my head and facts that I wanted to use because sometimes the sounds of my hand running over a a sheet of, of uh, Braille could be picked up by a sensitive microphone. And I didn't want listeners to be curious as to what might be going on. So I, I memorized all the stats and the facts that I use in a sporting event, whether it's in a baseball broadcast, a softball broadcast, or whatever broadcast I might have the privilege to take part in. Do you have access to either an either a Braille printer or one of those note-taking devices? I've never owned one, but do you have access to one of those? I do have a Braille printer. I just haven't used it in a long time. Whenever I got to college at Evansville, the the government wouldn't purchase my books in in a in a uh, Braille format due to the cost. So I had to listen to books on my laptop or on CD and memorize the information that way. So I became very used to listening to information and memorizing it. That's how I was able to get through college at the University of Evansville and through graduate school at Western Illinois. It's utterly amazing to me the feats of memory that you're describing. You had to start doing that very early on to be as good as you are now. It was really a challenge when I got to college because when I was at the Indiana School for the Blind, all of my books were in Braille. Then my freshman year at Evansville, the state government said due to cost, they were unable to purchase books in Braille. I had one book purchased for me in Braille during my whole six years of college. That was for a math class I had to take my sophomore year. I didn't really have time to adjust to memorizing through listening I had to do it right away because I had tests coming up and things of that nature when I first got into college in the very first few weeks of the first semester in 2010 at Evansville. On the Baseball Lifer with disability consultant Bryce Weiler with the Orioles. Now you've broadcast 
baseball, you broadcast other sports, which we'll talk about. What, how do you compare baseball and the other sports you've done? Which would you say are the most difficult? Which would you say are the easiest and which are in the middle? Baseball and softball are the easiest to broadcast due to the fact that you can create a good visual picture in your head of the game taking place on the field. Now with the shortened pitch clock or with the pitch clock being in effect, it does make broadcasting a major or a minor league baseball game a little more challenging. Most definitely the hardest sport to broadcast would be men's or women's soccer due to the fact there are 22 players moving around on the field at one point in time and trying to get a visual picture in your head of what those players are doing. And probably the sport with the difficulty level in the middle would be men's or women's basketball. Only 10 players running around on the court at one point in time, five from each team, and simpler to understand and keep track of than soccer, but not as easy as baseball or softball. But the raw speed involved in basketball, that is what I would find most challenging, especially on a team where they score something like 90 to 100 points a game. The speed in a basketball game isn't challenging. It's all about studying the style of the play-by-play broadcaster who you are commentating with in, in any sport, whether it's soccer baseball, softball, or basketball, figuring out his or her style, whether they tell a lot of stories, if they give a lot of stats, and then tailoring tailoring your broadcast to what that broadcaster might not do as well. Secondarily, studying how much time does this broadcaster fill with talking? Does he or she leave space open where fans can hear the crowd or can maybe hear the silence of an empty stadium when it's a minor league baseball game on a Tuesday evening and the crowd is rather sparse. A lot of things to think about when you broadcast a game. It's not just analyzing what's taking place on the court or the field. It's also trying to help make the play-by-play broadcaster sound as great as he or she can be. The game you sent me to listen to was yourself working with the Orioles play-by-play on both radio and television. The most recent game of yours that I know about was in Mid-August, you were in Utah. That had to be an interesting trip. The Utah game was a part of a trip when I went out to speak to the Weber School District out in Ogden, Utah. And the Weber School District staff asked if I could broadcast a Ogden Raptors baseball game. Ogden Raptors are now a member of the Pioneer League, which is a Major League Baseball partner league. And so I set up to broadcast that game with Richard Armstrong, the radio or the broadcast voice of the Ogden Raptors. They have their own digital network. I did five and a half innings of that game against the Raptors team on August 18th. 18th, yes. You you know the date. I'd forgotten. It was a Friday night against the Northern Colorado Owls, actually. So that was fun getting to visit with the Northern Colorado manager who used to work in the Colorado Rockies system with Bud Black, who's been a good friend of mine uh frank frank gonzalez manages the northern colorado owls and cash beecham a legendary baseball man whose father jim did a lot with mr cox and the atlanta braves and and various other places so that was fun to get to visit with both of those managers where are some other places that you've done baseball games between your graduation from college and now 
I haven't got to broadcast too much since I finished up in college because broadcasters don't want to give me the opportunity. From 2017 through 2019, I did games with the New Britain Bees in New Britain, Connecticut. New Britain Stadium is a place where you broadcasted games back in the late 1990s. Yes, I did. And then I've done games with the Lancaster Barnstormers in the Atlantic League with Dave Collins, who you might know, and Daryl Henry of the York Revolution. I know Dave. He's been a guest on this program, and he and I go back to double-A days. There is a program. It's called the Beautiful Lives Project. Why don't you tell me something about that and give the exact name and website for it and tell me what it does. The Beautiful Lives Project is a nonprofit I co-founded with Anthony Icavone, who was owning the New Britain Bees when I first contacted him. And just as our friend Mike Veck gave you the opportunity to broadcast games with his baseball team many years ago, where the Orioles bench coach, Freddie Gonzalez, was, was the first manager who you had the pleasure to work with. Anthony not only gave me the opportunity to be the co-founder of the Beautiful Lives Project, but he also gave me the opportunity to broadcast New Britain Bees games from 2017 through 2019, where I did a total of 65 New Britain Bees games over three seasons. The Beautiful Lives Project works to allow adults and children of all disabilities the opportunity to experience programs in sports, art, cheerleading, dance, and a whole plethora of events throughout the country. We've had events such as allowing Adults and children with disabilities, the chance to experience playing football with the Boston College Eagles or experience playing football with the Western Michigan Broncos football team or play on the field with Michigan State baseball and softball or on the field with the Lansing Lugnuts. We do events all across this country. I had a softball event back in June where adults and children of all disabilities were able to play on the field with high school AAU softball players as a part of a Triple Crown Summer Showcase. The website for the Beautiful Lives Project is www.beautifullives.org. On that website, people can watch some of our past videos. They can donate if they care to help us to do events throughout the country and continue to purchase any necessary items or accommodations we might need to assist all disabilities. And they can also contact us if they want to set up their own event to help people who have disabilities to have life-changing moments. What is most unique about Beautiful Lives Project events is that they are open to adults and children of all disabilities and all ages. It allows adults and children of various disabilities to come together in a space to learn some type of a skill, whether it's sports or pottery or performing with a cheerleading team, but most importantly, to create lifelong friendships that will last for a lifetime. I'm going to put this in the notes section of our podcast, beautifullives.org. Yes, that's correct. Great. Talking with Bryce Weiler on the Baseball Lifer podcast, disability consultant for the Baltimore Orioles. And I wouldn't have thought this a couple of years ago, what I'm about to tell you. I wouldn't have thought that if you and I were having to talk about the Orioles, we'd be talking about playoff baseball for the Orioles, which is why I'm putting your show on sooner than I might have. The Orioles are going to be playing at least a little bit in October and maybe a lot. I'm really happy with the success 
of the Orioles, both for the front office, the Orioles fans, Mr. Brandon Hyde, the manager, all the other front office staff who've worked so hard to get these young stars going and, and really got players coming up through the minor leagues who could help the Orioles to have success for a long time to come. Fans are very excited at Camden Yards when I've been back. The Orioles front office is enjoying the success, and it's great to have success. Baseball is often like the stock market. Teams' success levels fluctuates up and down, and now this is the great time where the Orioles' success level has fluctuated back to the top. And a couple of names I can tell you, Grayson Rodriguez and Gunnar Henderson. Those are a couple of the prospects of the Orioles. And and can you fill us in on a couple of other Orioles we might hear the names of during the playoff? They really have so many great young players. They have a great bullpen, great starting pitching, and really it's just a comprehensive team effort. I never like to really single out a couple or two players because the Orioles have put young players together with a veteran player, such as Adam Frazier, or even earlier this season, our friend's son, you know, Joe Vavra, his son, Taryn Vavra was on Baltimore's major league roster for a time. And, and uh, Taryn was actually on the roster when I broadcasted the Orioles and pirates game on Saturday, May 13th. So that was fun for me. I visited with my friend, Greg Brown, who does pirates, uh, television that evening, along with his broadcasting partner, Matt Caps, who pitched for the Pirates, I believe, many years ago, and, and and the Nationals as well. So those were the two Pittsburgh broadcasters that I was visiting with. Last question for Bryce Weiler, disability consultant for the Orioles. If you've thought about it, what do you see in, say, the next five to ten years in the life of Bryce Weiler of Illinois? I'd like to help as many sports teams and companies to be as accessible as they can be for all disabilities. Because what I've done with the Orioles, helping assist in hiring people who have disabilities for employment with social media accessibility, working to ensure stadiums are accessible. Those are things that any company can do. It doesn't have to be a sports team. And with the Beautiful Lives Project, creating more life-changing moments and events throughout the country, I really want to get the Beautiful Lives Project more involved with women's sports, whether it's women's basketball, softball, or women's soccer, to help get women's sports the coverage that they deserve in this country because those athletes and coaches work just as hard as their male counterparts to be successful on the field or on the court. We've been talking with the Orioles disability consultant, Bryce Weiler, on the Baseball Lifer podcast. Bryce. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Don, for having me on. We'll be back in a minute with a look at next week's program. That's what you'll hear if you keep it right where you got it. I'm having such a problem at work. It's the second time this month. I've got two computers down, and I can't get my computer repair company to come to the office to fix them. I think they are too busy with other bigger companies to help us. You know, I was having the same problem until we met. Cortland Computer Services in Middlesex, New Jersey. They respond to most of my calls the same day, either by accessing my computers remotely or by sending a technician to my office. Wow, that would be great. It is such a disruption when our computers are not working properly. I need someone who can see what's wrong and fix it. On our first meeting, they surveyed our network for security 
identified some problem areas and set us up with security software designed to prevent malware, ransomware, and all of the other threats that are on the internet these days. They've been helping central New Jersey businesses for 30 years, and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You should contact them either on the web at courtlandcomputerservices.com or by phone at 732-356-8860. 732-356-8860, courtlandcomputerservices.com. Tell them you heard about them on the Baseball Lifer podcast and get a $100 coupon toward your first two hours of services. Back on the Baseball Lifer podcast, following our interview with Bryce Weiler of the Orioles. And I wanted to talk to you before we go off the air about some of what's going to happen this weekend. I'm recording this on Friday the 22nd. The Tampa Bay Rays will be hosting the Toronto Blue Jays in St. Pete. You know, they're going to get a new stadium. They won't have to play in that old dome they've been playing in forever. It'll take until 2028 to do it. But apparently the Rays are going to have a new stadium in St. Pete. But this weekend, they're going to host the Blue Jays, their nearest rival, and how they do this weekend and how Baltimore does against Cleveland, who they're playing in Cleveland. How those two series work out will say a lot about what's going to happen going forward because the Tampa Bay Rays are right on Baltimore's tail and Toronto is right behind Tampa Bay. And out west is another beauty of a series. I wouldn't miss this for anything. You have the Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners. I'd listen to the Seattle broadcast with Rick Riz and Dave Sims if he's out there, which he isn't always. They have a broadcaster, Aaron Goldsmith, and a guy named Gary Hill. They're an excellent team to listen to, as well as the team that's out there on the field. And so Seattle plays Texas, while the Houston Astros play the Kansas City Royals. In the National League, if there's a series worth following, it's the Miami Marlins in Milwaukee facing the Milwaukee Brewers. The Marlins right now have the third place wild card spot, and they have the tiebreaker over the Cubs. The Phillies and the Diamondbacks are the first two wild card teams, and you're looking at Miami, Chicago, and Cincinnati all struggling to get that last wildcard spot. And the team with the toughest draw is the Marlins. And if you happen to listen to the Marlins broadcast of the game against the Brewers, of any of these games, you'll hear my candidate for Broadcaster Rookie of the Year. He's 32 years old, and his name is Kyle Seeloff. The Marlins didn't bring back Glenn Geffner, who'd been broadcasting for them for 15 years. And two years ago, at the end of 2021, their Hall of Famer, Dave Van Horn, called it a career. So Kyle Seeloff was brought in at the beginning of this year. And along with Keith Grad in New York, they're two very young and very good broadcasters. And I'd give it the award, if I had one to give, 
I'd give it to Seeloff by a nose. Next week, you'll be able to hear from a guy who's written some interesting sports essays and who is a panelist on another podcast where I'm also a panelist. My guest next week will be Peter Altschul. And we'll talk about the sports essays he's done and his interest in sports next week. Until then, this is Don Wardlow on the Baseball Lifer Podcast. Have a good week. (laughs) 